Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you for your love for us. And we pray that right now, Lord, that you would be speaking to us, uh, that you would be opening our hearts more and more to see you, to see the glory of your splendor and of your majesty. Father, just um, would your words speak to us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a good thing to worship God together. Uh, it's a very good thing. Uh, we continue on to so the second of this, our series uh, in the letter, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and we've entitled the overall caption of the series, Know It and Live It. And tonight I'm talking about flip, which I suppose will become clear hopefully after a little while. Uh, well, when it comes to finding, um, trying, coming to, when it comes to trying to find the right person of the opposite sex, I can only speak as a bloke with confidence, but I've done a little bit of research and I think it's similar for you uh, ladies out there, but you can, you can check it as I go along. As a single bloke, I think from about mid-teens um, till the point I got married at 26, I was constantly on the lookout for a potential wife or a potential kind of lifelong, yeah, wife, that's what I'm after, uh, that special person. And I don't, know, I don't know what I did when I was asleep, but when I was awake, I was thinking about it quite a lot. It was just under the surface of lots of the things, lots of things I did. Wherever I go, it would seem that I was kind of had half an eye out looking for who would that potential woman be. Um, as a good and holy bloke of God, um, I would do my sincere, pr- not prowling, sorry, my sincere, um, just looking, contemplating, praying, seeking, that kind of thing. I do that at Christian events primarily. Every time I went to a Bible study, every time uh, you know, I went to a home small group um, or a conference, I'd be on the lookout. Um, I'd, I'd go to church and I would worship with sincerity and I would praise God for his fine handiwork of that young lady in the fourth row down the front. <laughs> and then I'd praise God for that lovely lady, that blonde girl that I found myself sitting next to in the church service. I must admit that as a single guy, it was a very trying time as I sought to find um, the woman I would cherish as my wife. Can anyone relate to this? Maybe if you're single, maybe if you're married, you can look back to that time. If you're single, please stop looking around the church and concentrate on the message. I must admit um, that I felt quite free with my admiration of the beauty around me as a single guy. There are a lot of beautiful people around, beautiful in just uh, character and personality and beautiful in appearance. When I met Michelle, my wife, I thought to myself, here is a nice young lady. And what began to happen was my thinking started to do a slow flip. Uh, And then this thinking started to kind of have its effect in how I lived. And my living started to do a slow flip as well. You see, the more I got to know Michelle, learning about who she was and uh, what she enjoyed doing and what she found important in life, the more I started to think about um, the potential of us as husband and wife and that we could be great partners in life. And as our relationship grew... I started to 
no longer be on the lookout. I started to, uh, I kind of was off the market and my desire was to get to know Michelle more and it was not for other people. No longer did other girls have to put up with my lame attempts at flattery and humour. It was all Michelle's. (laughs) (laughs) So as I grew to know Michelle, um, better and better, there was a flip in my thinking. There was a flip then in the way I was living. Things changed. Things changed. Now, if you're here tonight and you've found a relationship with God in Jesus Christ, has your thinking started to do a flip? Has your thinking begun to flip over? Has your life started to change because of how much you know God? You know, is, is God drawing you closer still, though? Is he actually saying, no, no, come, come closer, learn more of me? Does he actually want us to know him better so that our lives would continue to be more and more flipped up the right way? Because it's my conviction that a growing relationship with God will result in us having lives and thinking that are flipped back to the right way. So tonight as we look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he's, he's got a prayer tonight. And his prayer is that they would grow, that they would know God better. So if you have your Bibles in front of you, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. If it's a little dark, we can uh, start bringing little pen lights so you can uh, read it as well. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, last week... Um, Mason preached and we looked at the first 14 verses and we saw how God has blessed every believer with every spiritual blessing so that God values us, that he's chosen us from before the creation of the world uh, to be in relationship with him, that he's redeemed us by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and he has promised us that we will have an inheritance in heaven with him. Now, these amazing things that we heard last week are cause for nothing but praise and thanks to God, where Paul begins his letter today. But I think Paul must have been thinking, must have been thinking, like, man, if we really knew, if we really knew 
this reality. Who we are in Christ, just a little bit more, it would completely change the way we live. It would completely flip our lives. And this is what he turns his attention to. He wants to know it more fully and he wants the people he's writing to, the church in Ephesus, to know it more fully and he wants us to know it more fully. And so he moves into a prayer, the prayer that they would know the Father. So in verse 17 he says, I keep asking you, asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. A prayer to know the Father better. I don't know if you pray or if you pray what it is you pray for. But here is definitely a prayer point that we should regularly be speaking from our lips and our heart as believers or even as a non-believer. Praying to God, praying to know God the Father, the God of our glory, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm sure that uh, many of us, probably most of us here, know God the Father in some way. But what Paul seems to want for us is that we would know him better, that we would know him more fully, that we would know him deeper and deeper. Now, while we, while we walk on this earth, there is always room to know the Father better. And this thought of knowing God is not um, just that kind of intellectual knowing stuff, but it talks of a deep, uh, heartfelt, personal relationship kind of knowing. So just knowing stuff, just knowing stuff about God is not enough. So Paul prayer, in his prayer he says that we would be asked for, ask God to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And the sense here is that if we want to know the Father better, if we actually want to know him better, we need God's help. We need a wisdom that comes from him. We need God to reveal himself to us. Now it's kind of similar, I suppose, to any relationship uh, that we share with another person. Now, many of you have friends, I think, yep, friends, yep, good. Now, vital to the whole exercise of building relationships is asking questions of each other and then listening to them kind of uh, reveal things about themselves, listening to them kind of speak wisdom about themselves, knowledge about themselves. If you want to get to know someone more, build a stronger relationship, then you need to ask them to reveal truth to you about themselves. Now, if you don't ask questions, how can you possibly grow a relationship with them? Now, you might hang out. You know, you'll observe stuff, sure. You might hang out, but your friendship will not grow. So it's in a sense that we decide what depth of a relationship we'll have with people. Do you continue to ask God questions about himself? Do you ask God um, to reveal himself to you? Or have you stopped? Have you stopped? Because we can always have a deeper relationship with God. Now I think that knowing the Father better 
is key to our whole life. It's a principle that we must live by. If, you're gonna, if you are growing in your relationship with fa- your Father in heaven, knowing Him better, this will completely change the way you do life. You'll begin to live more for Him and less for you. It's the key. It will flip your life. And it will flip it not kind of upside down, but it will flip it up the right way. Now, I think in many parts of our lives, we live a certain way. We do certain things. We um, you know, do certain things for certain reasons. But the image is like we're living our lives in these different areas on our heads. We're standing on our heads and we think we're standing on our feet. In this way, we're kind of viewing life upside down and it's a bit distorted. We wonder why our relationship with God isn't that good why it's so hard, and we wonder why we've got this kind of headache, spiritual headache. Now, when your relationship with God grows, it will flip your thinking. It will flip your thinking so that you view life the right way up. Now, here's an example of just if we but think of it, the characteristics of God, how it will flip us. So, three character traits I'll pull out just briefly. And we found them in chapter 1 of Ephesians. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look back to verse 3. Just uh, wanting us to know these things more. Verse 3 says, um, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we understand that the Father is God. Okay, lots of us know that. Verse 4, what we, we learn a couple of more traits about God. It says, In love... He predestined us to be adopted as sons. And you can, you can add daughters, of course. Here we understand that the Father loves us. And that, because of his love, he's actually adopted us as his children. Now, I need to be quite honest with you. I think this truth of knowing the Father, of knowing that he loves us, that he is God can change the way we live. And sometimes, here's a personal example, I struggle to live fully for God. You know, some of you might look at me and think, I'm pretty relaxed and don't have many cares in life. If you think this, you'd be very wrong. I long to live more for God, but struggle to do this as much as I want. So sometimes I try and do stuff to earn God's love. When the reality is, it's not so much about what I do, but it's about who I am, which is why he loves me. You know, I, I regularly find myself doing things because I want to show God that I love him. You know, and this here, my life in Wodonga, is to show God how much I love him. But then every now and then, my motivation kind of gets a bit distorted. And um, all of a sudden, I'm doing it for another reason. At some point, I start to do things so that God would love me more. And even to the point of like, if I'm not doing it well enough, if I'm not kind of uh, encouraging enough people or being nice enough and not, you know, trying to be really holy, if I'm not doing that, if I fail, all of a sudden I feel that God doesn't love me or God doesn't love me as much. You know, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you have um, a standard yourself. And if you don't measure up to the standard you feel that God doesn't love you anymore. God doesn't love you as much anymore. 
You know, maybe in your head you kind of disagree with the thought, but really in your heart you think, man, if I sin, then God doesn't love me. Maybe, maybe you really believe that. But I don't think God looks on us this way. I don't think if you believe in Jesus that when you fail, God doesn't love you as much anymore. So if we need to like, seek this. Now, me just telling you this won't do anything for you either. Like, you need to go and seek, gee, you just want to get a hold of God's love. Here's what I believe it's more like. And I'll use the image of my little son, Ben, six months old. When I look at my son, when I look at Ben, I look at him and I just love him. I love him because he's my son. That's why I love him. When God looks at you, and when he looks at me, he simply loves us because, first and foremost, he created us. That's why he loves you. He loves you because he created you. And then he loves you so much that he sends his own real son to die on the cross that we might have forgiveness of sins and and the possibility of being adopted as his children. Then he looks on us and he loves us because we're his child. We're an adopted child. Now, I tell you, if Ben looked at me and he, as he grows older and uh, he thought that, gee, in order to, for Dad to love me, I'm going to have to do this for him. If he really thought that in his heart, that would pain me. That would, make, that would bring me to tears because I'll look at him and go, I just love you because you're my son. How much more does God love us? You know, and what pleases me is when Ben smiles and when Ben laughs. That's that's what pleases me, when he's enjoying me. When he uh, tries to, when he kind of responds, you know, and he, you know, like I don't think he's actually doing it now, but, you know, when he responds to my quirky kind of making faces and he kind of laughs and goes, gar and all that kind of stuff, that makes me happy. You know, the better we know the Father, in this example I've just chosen love, which is massive, the more we want to live for him. Not to earn his love, simply just to show him how much we love him. I think God wants us just to live. He says, I love you. I sent my son Jesus to die for you. You're my child now. I just want you to live for me. And not kind of do stuff, live, but actually just live. Everything you do. Just live for God. That's what he wants. That's our worship to him. So he prays. He prays that we would know the Father better and this will change the way we live. Now he continues on, Paul, and he prays for something else for the believers. And um, at, in verse 18, he reads, it reads, uh, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Know the hope to which he's called us, something else that we need to pray to know about. And when God called us, when he invited us into this personal relationship with him, and when we said yes, Paul says that we received a great hope. And this kind of hope is not like a wishful thinking, gee, I hope it happens, but it speaks more of a tangible, real, uh, kind of like ours for the taking kind of notion, kind of hope. It's like we're promised something and it's definitely going to be ours, without a doubt. 
Paul prays we would know this hope, deeply understand it. And the hope uh, he talks about is twofold. Firstly, he says um, that the hope, uh, the reality of what is ours, is our inheritance in God. Our inheritance. Now, this is totally amazing. It's totally amazing, but it completely makes sense. Now, when we were called by God and we said yes to Jesus, we were adopted by him. He is our heavenly father. We've become his children. And what Paul now says here is that we're legitimate children. And as legitimate children, we're now going to partake in the inheritance from God. We need to kind of try and get our heads around this. This is no small thing. Now, we've all, all got parents. Um, it's a little bit dark and morbid to think about this. But when they pass away, we'll receive our inheritance. And the inheritance is basically the blessings we receive from knowing them as our parents. And we receive uh, kind of what they've done with their life, the small things and the great things. We'll receive an inheritance from that. The inheritance from God is massive. It's heaven itself. We get to go to heaven. Heaven's something that's pretty hard to get your head around as well. Yeah, every good and perfect thing we enjoy in this life Everything that we love in this life is but a shadow of what will come. Do you enjoy a good belly laugh here on earth? You want to like a good belly laugh when you're just cacking yourself and you've got to run to the toilet or something like that. <coughs> Can you imagine a heavenly belly laugh? Might just go for like, I don't know, 20 years or something like that in eternity. Imagine the joy, you know, the good things of life. That's taste of heaven, you know. And this is our promise. This is our, in our inheritance. That's the first part of our hope to, for us to try and know a bit deeper. The second part relates to um, the power that's available to us right now. So verse 18 says, uh, The eyes of your heart, he prays, the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. There's an incomparably great power that's available to us. Or put it another way, when we're adopted by the Father, the, the King of the universe, the creator of the heavens, We've brought, been brought into a very close proximity to a very, very powerful God. And what, what is your image of God? Is, is your God powerful? You know, do you really know what this power that's available to you is really like? You know, do you long to know at a deeper level, deeper level what this power is like? Or are you kind of happy with your level of understanding? You know, I think for too many of us, we're happy. We're happy with our immature level of understanding of God's power. When if we really knew the power, if we really knew the Father who we worship, who we've brought into, been brought into relationship with, we would quit sitting on the fence. We'd quit kind of uh, siding with people in life instead of just siding with God, who's our Father and whose power is available to us. 
You know, we'd call on him more. We'd trust him more. Our life would be just more given over to him if we really knew the Father and his power. We've got to kind of, um, I don't know, we've got to seek to know it more. We, can't, we can no longer just be content with our immature level, level of how amazing God is. So I challenge us, I challenge you all, set aside a morning this week. Set aside a morning and actually go somewhere. Go somewhere uh, where there are no distractions. Go somewhere where you can concentrate on God and, and take his word and just seek to know the Father. Seek to know his power and just seek with all your might Ask him. Ask him to come and show you. Ask him to reveal his power and who he really is. And then when you do it one day, you'll get a taste for like the the changes that are going to happen in your life. And then set aside time each day to do it. But just this week, set aside a big block and go, God, I'm searching for you. Father, I'm seeking you. Tell me, show me more about yourself. Let's not stop seeking God. I tell you what, Every little glimpse you get, with every little glimpse of God, you grow in passion and power to live for him. So Paul's praying, know the hope, know this power. Um, Well, he goes on, and if we were kind of thinking, well, I can't get my head around the power, he kind of um, says, this is what it's like. So verse 19, it says, um, the power is like the working of his mighty strength, the Father's mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This, this power is like the power that raised Jesus from the dead and exalted Jesus to the very... Uh, right hand of God. Right hand of God over here. That's the place of supreme power. And now Jesus reigns over everything. He reigns over everything in the world, in the universe. The images of like complete, absolute power. You know, I need power to live. I need power to live for God. I need power to stand and be counted as a disciple of Christ. How about you? The Father's incomparable great power is available to us. How is it available? The next bit tells us how. The power comes through Jesus Christ, who has been made their head over the church. We're the body. Jesus is the head. So the power given to Christ is accessible and for us as the church. Verse 22 and 23 reads, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This power the Father has given the Son is for the benefit of the church. And the power is not removed from us. You know, but it's intimately connected like a head to a body. That's how it's available. Now, I want you to ask yourself or ask your body this question. Ask your body, do you feel close to the head? 
uh, you might want to ask a similar question to the head. Hey, head, do you feel close to the body? Let's have some time to do that if you like. Probably won't get a response if you do. <laughs> um, yeah. The point is, our heads are positively connected to our bodies. And this is our reality with Jesus, who has been given this like absolute power. It's available to us. So Paul prays for the hope uh, that we would know the hope to which he's called us, our inheritance and the power available to us. I really just want to ask us all here tonight, I want to ask you specifically, how well do you know the Father? How, how well do you know the hope to which he's called you? Yeah, and is your, life, is your life actually being flipped because of this knowledge? Or are you kind of sitting back and not too sure? Because God desires, he so desires to know us more and more and more and more and more and more and more. He just wants to know us so deeply. He wants us to seek him out. And when we do, he will reveal who he is to us. It will change our lives. Now, if you're here tonight and uh, you're just checking out uh, Jesus, you're checking out God, the Father, I just want to put the challenge to you um, to actually ask God to reveal himself to you. Ask God to show you how much he loves you. Just ask God to reveal himself to you. This week, borrow a Bible from a friend and read through the Gospel of John and just ask God. Say, God, just show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. Seek him and you'll find him. Now, if you're uh, here tonight and you're a Christian, but you're feeling like disconnected, there could be lots of different reasons for that. Um, your, it might be sin or it might be just you're kind of doing your own thing or whatever. I just want to encourage you just to pray to, ask, pray to God and ask him to show you these things. Just, I mean, it's such a simple prayer, isn't it? It's such a simple prayer, but like something to actually really want to know him more. And I guarantee you, he will just turn up and he will show you more about himself. And for those of us who are, feel like we're going well in our faith, pray to God and ask to know him better. Ask to know your inheritance more. Ask to know the power available to you more. I think we as Christians can just kind of get complacent. We can just sit here and go, yeah, it's all good, it's all good. When God's saying, you've got no idea. There is so much you need to know. There is so much more I can show you. But we kind of rock up sometimes and just go, yeah, I'm cool. Life's pretty good. I kind of know God a bit. But he's saying more. You can have more. I think sometimes as Christians, we're like, um, you know, we choose our different parts of our life. You know, we've got our sport. We've got our kind of uni. We want to get this kind of job over here and raise some money. We want a family or we want some good friends. And, and then we've got God and God's in the mix too, you know. We've kind of got all these things and there's God and this is what life is. But he just wants us to seek him first. He wants us to know him and have him be the foundation of our very life. He doesn't want us to kind of get uh, complacent with how much we know him. He wants to show us so much more. Let's pray.
to know the Father better. Let's pray to know the inheritance that he has called us to. And let's pray to know his power more and more. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, um, we thank you so much for your love for us, uh, that you just love us, God, and that uh, in Jesus we have this um, amazing hope. We have this relationship with you, Father. We have this uh, hope of the inheritance and the, and the power that's available to us. And Father, we just really pray that you would show us more, help us know you better, our inheritance, our hope better, that our whole lives might be flipped, that we might just long to live for you, that we'll live for you because you are God. We pray this, Lord. We seek you in Jesus' name. Amen.